Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete, two-year starter, consummate glue guy, and co-host... Ryan! Cam! Two-man monster flush! Off the inbound! Ryan Cam Slam Jam! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Service from the heart to become your Realtors for Real Life is Team Anders Realtors' mission. Team Anders helps its clients find the home that best fits their needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. Team Anders will be in close communication with you personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. They have served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Another week of greatness in sports. College football is fully off the shizzle. The NFL kicked off with some really good games, actually. A lot of times I find myself taking Sunday naps during the NFL, but there were some good games, including the Lions, which we'll get to in a little while. Well, good at the end. Uh, for those who heard last week and know, I'm uh, someone who definitely loves my history and get kind of involved in a lot of 9-11 stuff, love the tributes that were going on at college stadiums, at NFL stadiums, at baseball stadiums, love that the MLB had the Yankees-Mets series going on over 9-11. Um, I'm just so riveted by that stuff 20 years later. Can't even imagine it. Um, see new stuff all the time. And just hearts out to all those who lost people back then and who are still losing people because of cancers and various things since then. Um, so many heartwarming stories and tributes to the people who were true heroes that day. And we appreciate you and all that our military does for us as well. Also, it would be remiss, even though we don't give it a whole lot of sunshine here, uh, to talk about the baseball races, you know, not talk about baseball races. There's actually some good stuff going on. The Giants are already clinched, uh, won the NL West. It's the earliest that they have clinched in franchise history. And we know that their past, for baseball fans, the Giants, maybe not in the last couple of years, but really in the 2000s especially, have had some fantastic teams that uh, won a handful of World Series. Um, it's pretty interesting races. There's kind of a three-way dog fight for the two wild cards, it seems like, in the AL. There's quite a few teams still kind of in play for the NL wild card. Kind of if it ended today, the White Sox, the Astros, and the Rays, Blue Jays, and then either New York or Boston would make up the AL. The NL would be the Braves, Brewers, Giants, Reds, and Dodgers right now. Padres have kind of fallen off a little bit. Like I said, there's quite a few teams actually that still have a shot. The Cardinals are still kind of in play. Um, the Phillies are even a little bit in play. The Mets are in play. So if you're a baseball fan and you're not as intrigued by football, you've got plenty to watch. Uh, I'll pay attention, admittedly, when we get into October. Although, like I've said here before, I wish baseball would find a way to wrap it in the summer and, and let football just kind of take focus. But that's another story for another podcast. So with that, let's go to the podiums. Ryan, you go first. The lectern is yours. Yeah, uh, I'll start off this week. We'll f switch gears a little bit. 
golf. Uh, Ryder Cup coming up next week. Uh, had a break last week after the 2020-2021 season officially ended the super season. Uh, I'm going to talk about, one, Patrick Reed, a.k.a. Captain America, and some issues that have been coming up for a long time now and then just in the media in the last week since we talked about who we thought would be picked. And then uh, Captain Steve Stricker made his selections last Wednesday and Patrick Reed was left out uh, of the the discussion there of being one of the captain's picks for the Ryder Cup. Um, I just think this guy's got a major issue getting along with people. I think for a long time people have stated they're dis, dis, disliking him um, as fans, as players on tour to say he's kind of a jerk. Uh, he cheats, apparently. I mean, I've seen him move, like, video of him moving balls and stuff, like, off lies, all this good stuff, weird stuff. But, um, yeah, he... He, I, he probably pissed away his chance of being an alternate with Kepka maybe not being able to go with his wrist injury. He had some angry tweets and was favoriting and retweeting stuff. Pissed off at, at Stricker. Um, it's not a good look for you, Patrick. You probably just pissed it away. Uh, Billy Horschel, who won last week on the Euro Tour, is probably going to take that if, if it comes down to that. But you just got to learn to keep your mouth shut, man. Stop wearing your cannabis hat doing all your weird antics and you play you act like you're the victim and you really aren't you're just a, the villain because you're a jerk and uh people just don't like you because you act like that you could try to make people like you by being nice and not cheating so patrick get it together man bryson's sitting back with this box of popcorn like the michael jackson thriller video <laughs> i'm just watching this going yes somebody else to talk about instead of me but couldn't agree more with that uh even though he's Quasi Captain America because he's had success. He's a cancer. I hope he doesn't ever play in the Ryder Cup again. The way that he reacted to this, like a little pissed off toddler, not a good look, Patty. Not a good look. All right, mine. I'm going to transition back to college football, which is always one of our favorite topics, especially at this time of the year. And if you missed it, you're living under a rock. But USC finally fired head coach Clay Helton. I say finally because they've been kind of looking for ways to do it since really 2018. Had some early success, then he had some immediate mediocrity, then obviously COVID hit, then he actually did okay last year in the COVID time. But evidently Saturday was the absolute last straw. Laughable moment of the game was the kicker. Yes, the kicker was ejected for targeting on the first play of the game. Now, you can always say, okay, well, players make the plays, coach. What coach teaches people to go head down to begin with, let alone a kicker. I mean, that's just kind of a, a nutshell of around Helton. You know, I have an article up from The Athletic right now, um, and it's just like this was only a matter of time for Helton. Um, you know, there's some great examples in this this article by Antonio Morales um, of kind of the why and I, I won't get as much into the why because that's not necessarily a podium. My podium centers around is it good or bad to fire coaches in season, especially in, for all intents and purposes, week two, I guess technically it's, it's yeah, week two because we had week zero. I mean, is is that the right thing? Arguable that it is that it is or isn't a good look. You know, I would say it's like most things, right? It's very situation dependent. Uh, and I would say in this, this situation, it was the right thing to do. Yes, on one hand, it causes a whole season of speculation. It causes angst from fans in Ames about Coach Campbell. It causes angst 
um, you know, where there's other coaches that maybe are ready to make a jump or maybe want to go back to the Pac-12. I'm sure there's plenty of names out there. It might even cause angst for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe Urban's going to figure out right away that the NFL is not as easy as he thought it would be, although I don't think he'll bag that. I don't think he'd, he'd be able to live that down if he bagged it after a year. But that's the one bad part, right, is all these schools, these fan bases, etc., have a year of wondering what if. Um, but on the other hand, if you're USC, you're sending a message. We're going to do this. We're going to do this right. We're tired of it. We let you have a lot of chances. I mean, they're sending that message to a candidate too, is you're going to get your chances here. But ultimately, Helton's program could not live up to the cultural standards of USC. Minus some of the improprieties that happened, you know, in the early 2000s with Reggie Bush and stuff. I mean, USC has a long and storied history. Rose Bowls, national title opportunities, epic games and rivalries with UCLA, Notre Dame, and so on and so forth. So to get housed in your own stadium, albeit neither of the LA schools really put that many fans in the stands for their regular season games, but still housed by Stanford, who barely scored against a average Kansas State team the week before, that kind of you know scoreboard alone probably would give cause, but just the lack of discipline the lack of really integrity, doing what you say and saying what you mean and meaning what you say, all those things. And again, I suggest you read this article maybe to get some um, some truer indications of some very specific examples. I'm not going to tip uh, Mr. Morales's hand, but uh, I mean, there's a lot there. Um, still does beg the question, is it the right time? Could they have waited a little bit longer? What happens? You know, Chris threw out there to us, uh, one of my buddies and one of our faithful listeners, what happens if the interim guy does really well and the players start to rally for him, but he's really not the guy that you want? That puts some pressure on the AD. Yeah, that exists. I mean, to an extent, we saw that at Michigan State back in 99 when Saban left. You know, the players wanted Bobby Williams, and they wanted him right away. He barely proved it, um, you know, in the Citrus Bowl, and look what happened there. Great position coach, good assistant coach, and clearly not cut out to be a head coach, and that set Michigan State football back until D'Antonio came on. So, you know, there's there's the there's that side of it. There's plenty of goods and bads. I say in this particular, good on USC. You're moving on. You probably should have done it to begin with. It's a little bit of maybe buyer's remorse for keeping with him. It's a newer athletic director, though. He's got no ties to him. It was time to cut tail. USC is going to get somebody good. It's only a matter of time before they can start to recruit. And they're going to have some ground to make up because Cristobal is doing excellent things in Oregon. Um, You know, and no, he is not a guy, even though I've heard his name, he is not a guy that I think would leave Oregon where he's got a budding, already a good program. He's got Phil Knight in his back pocket and he's got recruits going there. I don't think he's going to go to USC, but it'll be really interesting. A lot of speculation over the, over the next few months. Um, fans and aims, etc. You know, fasten your seatbelts. It could be a wild ride. But when you got a good coach at an otherwise mediocre program, um, sometimes those things happen. So that is my podium. Um, this week, moving on to our personal foul of the week. We we're going to throw two separate flags this week. I'm going to tell you the who. Ryan will tell you kind of the why. And I might chime in a little bit too. So first, personal foul, Cam Newton. Second, personal foul, uh, on a particular Florida State player. Yeah, we'll start with Mr. Cam Newton's Superman, he calls himself. Uh, probably not anymore. He got cut, bud. But 
Um, he had this 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 quote that came out last week. Um, this is about being the backup quarterback to Mac Jones in in New England. And quote, I would have said absolutely, but listen, the truth of the matter is this: Mac Jones would not have been comfortable. That's a lie because if you were so comfortable being the backup, then why aren't you the backup? You probably threw a fit because you're working this hard and said, you know what, just cut me, get me out of here. Um, dude, you're like, maybe if it was eight years ago, you would have said, yeah, I mean, I don't really want to be the, that That would be true, but it's not, it's not then. You're not good anymore. You're washed. Shut up, dude. No one cares about you anymore. There's a new era of quarterbacks in the NFL, and it didn't look like Mac Jones would care because he threw for 280 yards, even though they lost. But. Yeah, and it was pretty clear by the fact that nobody else came calling to make you the starter. Yeah, um, there's you know, a reason you, why you're jobless. You got a team like Chicago that's sitting on three potential starters with Foles buried on the bench behind Fields and and uh, Andy Dalton. So, like, yeah, you might just want to hush up. Don't be a Le'Veon Bell, although Bell found his way onto a team um, given the 18 ACL injuries to the, to the running backs for yeah. the Ravens. But still, Cam... Personal foul. Shut up. Ryan, how about the Florida State player? Yeah, Florida State player. I, I It was t- circulating yesterday morning on social media, and some people were like, oh, is this true? Is it not? A Florida State offensive lineman, I believe, proposed to his girlfriend, which is really nice, after they just lost to an FCS team for the first time in program history. You can see in the background of the picture Jacksonville State celebrating as this guy is on one knee. Dude, you could have waited until you got home, gone to a restaurant. You could have waited another week. I mean, that's kind of embarrassing. You just proposed after a loss. Not like the guy from Boise State who scored the winning the winning two-point conversion on the uh, Statue of Liberty that proposed to his girlfriend after the game. Nothing like that. This is embarrassing. Yeah, this is after you just were in cover two, and all you needed to do was tackle a guy before the end zone and the game was over. And... I don't. I mean, we'll get into college football here in a minute, some more. But here we thought you you showed something in that Notre Dame game, but maybe what you showed us is Notre Dame's not very good because that was that was epically epically bad. So yep. flag to you too, dude. Congrats. Hopefully you have a great marriage. You're certainly gonna have a good memory of when you did it. But I tuck that ring in your pocket and wait for another game or something. I don't know. All right, moving on to. Four downs. First down, as we will for the next several weeks, and stated last week, we will get started by looking back at the week in the Big Ten. Uh, maybe throw out a player of the week candidate, maybe a team of the week candidate. We'll kind of go back and forth here. Um, I'll start. Boy, team of the week, you know, it's it's tough because there were some there were some definitely big games. There were some big cross conference games. There were some good games by teams against lesser foes. A lot of people might want to rush to give it to Michigan because they beat Washington, but I will remind you, Washington went 19 possessions between the opening drive of the Montana game and their field goal in the Michigan game without a score, only managed another seven. Uh, Washington is not very good, not to rain on your parade, Michigan, but Washington is not very good, so you are not my team of the week. That goes to Iowa. Um, We'll talk about that game first. It remains a little bit, I think, to be seen because Iowa's defense has been lights out in the two opening games. Now, granted, they beat a ranked Indiana. They beat the highly ranked Iowa State team. Two excellent wins. Doesn't matter how, right? Um, the offense, if they're 
put with their backs against the wall where the offense has to win a game. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I got the schedule in front of me real quick. I'm looking at it. I mean, they don't have to play Ohio State, so they're not going to have to go toe-for-toe toe there um, offensively. Maybe Penn State is where it would matter. Obviously, Wisconsin can't really score the ball that much. Minnesota struggled with a MAC team this week. I think it probably won't hurt you until you potentially even maybe get in, be a contender for at least the Big Ten Championship game, if not um, perhaps the playoffs. But that defense, that's legit. I mean, I think in two weeks, yeah, they have three they, scores, four scores. Yeah, I think it's three or four. And what what might happen, now that I think about it, and now that I, that I verbalize it, um, you know, you think back to Michigan State's Rose Bowl team in, what, 2013, Still didn't know Connor Cook was going to be the quarterback. They were kind of going back and forth with Maxwell. Michigan State lost at Notre Dame, and they benched Cook like for the last series in the game to go with a cold Maxwell. The next week, went to, of all places, Iowa, and Cook just clicked, and the offense cooked from then on, pun intended, and they went on and won out and won the Rose Bowl. Um Maybe that'll happen with Iowa, you know, and that, and that went with the defense that Shalit Calhoun, I think, if I remember right, had like three touchdowns, touchdowns in the first couple games yeah. that season. That's yeah. kind of what Iowa is, and I mean, Iowa's not like it. It doesn't have anybody that stands out on paper as, oh man, that's a NFL top five draft pick. No, but like I said in the preview, because I had Iowa, they just always have guys that play fundamental, sound position based football. They got enough playmakers back there. I can't. Haskins maybe is his name or something Hankins, like that. Hankins, yep. number eight. Um, obviously making ball hawking plays back in the backfield. Um, I was for real, and they are by far my team of the week last week. I mean, I, I'm impressed. Their offense has got to come along if they really want to truly be a contender to win the Big Ten overall and then get to the playoff. But that defense. I mean, you're talking about two teams that can score some points and, and who are good football teams, and, and they made them look pretty average. Yeah, you know, I, I completely agree with all that you said, but here's my the biggest issue for me moving forward with them. They had 144 yards of total offense, and they and they won. I mean, you can't continue that. Like you said, if they get into a game where they have to score, I mean, and move the ball without their defense, they might be in trouble. Um well, I mean, their defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. It'll help them win at least nine. But I think, as of now, they're probably the favorite to win the West um, and maybe even the best team in the Big Ten. Who knows? Um, I mean, I guess we can just jump into Ohio State talking that. I mean, didn't really get a chance to watch it because of Michigan, being at the Michigan State game, but just keeping an eye on it, I mean, what is going on in Columbus? I mean, is not offensively. Stroud, offensively, I mean, minus that I mean, last pick. They, Stroud he threw was for great. almost 500 yards, but that's also with them kind of coming back, like having to throw the right, ball. True, um, but but yeah, their defense is uh, not good, not good at all. Um, Oregon came in and they have an above average quarterback. I mean, he's okay. Anthony Brown, grad transfer, or whatever from Boston College. And Oregon ran, they threw it, they had a 99-yard drive. I mean, they, they did everything. And they did this without their two best defenders. And five starters on yeah. defense. Yeah, they just, it, I don't know how it happened. I mean, Ohio State has these games every now and then where they just slip up, and I don't know, but Ryan Day gets his first regular season loss as Ohio State. 23-game winning crazy. streak snapped at the shoe, and these games um, can be quantified as the big games. Uh, yeah. You know, I heard last week, I might have mentioned it on the podcast, but Oregon had the best composite ranking for 
their roster top to bottom, you know, based on their recruiting rankings of any team Ohio State has played in the last, you know, handful of years, except for, I think, Clemson and Alabama. Like, so best in the regular season by far, but then put in the playoffs. And we know what has happened to Ohio State in the playoffs. You know, they look good one on one hand against Clemson last year, and then they got smoked by Alabama. And Oregon just outplayed them at noon, so 9 o'clock Pacific. Yep. It's not like these guys are coming in on third, you know, Tuesday and getting acclimated to the time change. Oregon served notice for the Pac-12 that hey, we're not going to sit down and, and play second fiddle to Ohio State. Now Ohio State, you know, don't listen to Feinbaum or the SEC talking heads who want to get four SEC teams in the playoff. They've got a path if they win out based on their schedule and who they're going to play. And, and the Big Ten East looks really good. And if they beat a team like Iowa, probably maybe Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship, there's a very good chance that they could get the four seed still. These early, early losses. I mean, think back a few years ago, five years or so, six years ago, they lost to Vatek um, in week two and then went on a run and won the national championship. So, you know, stranger things have happened, but that defense has got to get right. I mean, that is not... Like Trestle and D'Antonio and Tuck, you know, those guys have just got to be like, oh, what is going on? I mean, they're clearly trading high octane offense for who cares about our defense. And defense still wins games, man. Defense travels, as Oregon showed. You know, they, yeah, they gave up a bunch of yards, but even without their best players on defense, they, they showed up. They showed out, and, and Ohio State laid a pretty big egg, I would say, yep. in that game. Yeah, just just not a great look for the Big Ten there, um, but I'm sure Ohio State will bounce back um, in the coming weeks and try to get back in that playoff discussion. Um, they got to win though. It's yeah, they got to win out. There's no margin for error anymore. No more, you know, you get yeah. that one that one loss. Um, a few years down the road, maybe when it's an eight or a twelve team playoff, the one loss for yeah. sure won't matter as much. But that's what's kind of still intriguing about the four game is that. Now they, you got a lot of what if going on. So, yep. you know, we talked a little bit about Michigan, Washington. Michigan, you know, we'll take it away. They did look impressive. Um, you know, as far as uh, hearing it through the TV, that stadium actually sounded loud. I've, I've often criticized it for being kind of a library, even for the big games. They were into it as a night game. It's a little bit easier to do that for a night game. Um, I think it's a little bit of fool's gold, a little bit of September natty hope, a lot of little September Heisman hope, but we've joked about here before. I think their run game is really sound. Um, Haskins and Quorum are, are legit. Their passing game is is worse than it has been in a while. I think the loss of Bell, maybe, you know, Michigan took what Washington gave them, which is to just run, run, run. But still, they're going to have to develop some go-to guys at receiver because they're not going to be able to just run the ball and beat, you know, the Penn States, you know, even the Michigan States, you know, and so on in the Big Ten. Um, we'll give it to him for now. You know, it was still a good win over what was supposed to be a good Washington team. It goes back to Ryan's talk last week about why preseason rankings should be flushed because mm-hmm. clearly Washington was not the 20th best team in the country. They might be the 120th best team in the country. Um, but still a nice win. You can't, you know, it's against a power five, uh, and it sets them up well. They play um, Rocky Lombardi in the in the. Northern Illinois this week, and we know what Rocky did to him last year. And Rocky has been kind of like comeback kid, led Northern Illinois to a win over Georgia Tech on the road, then almost to a comeback win over Wyoming last week. Don't think he's going to get it done against Michigan, but um, you know, I, I would not. 
I would temper your enthusiasm a little bit, Michigan fans. I don't think you're quite as good as as you want to be or think you are. You know, you're probably not quite as bad as some other people like us maybe want you or think that you are. Somewhere in the middle, it'll all play out over the next couple weeks. Yeah. Um, any any other games in particular, Ryan, out of the Big Ten? We can yeah, breeze I, through I, them all. I'll, I'll touch on ones. Michigan in a second, but I mean, Purdue rolled, Wisconsin rolled, Penn State rolled, Maryland rolled, Nebraska rolled. Illinois they, they got rolled. Illinois got rolled, not surprising. Northwestern Nebraska actually struggled a little bit with yeah, Buffalo. They, I mean, it was a tight I mean, game. They, they cleaned up. They did what they, they should have. Northwestern yeah. did okay. Minnesota um, struggled with Miami. Minnesota didn't look great. Michigan State, um, I mean, looked pretty good uh, offensively moving the ball. Um, you know, I, we'll see what happens against Miami, a team with a better, a li- supposedly a better defense, um, especially up front. See how that that looks. But Michigan State's defense looks pretty decent. I think the, my biggest concern is getting beat over the top by faster receivers and making that initial tackle. I think is big. I mean, especially on a elusive quarterback. Yeah, I think containing Deer King's going to be it's going to be a, a task. Can but, they score on the first? Play all that's left. The they've done first. a pass. They've done a run. So I guess it's a kick return this time. Is well, what's going to happen about that? Um, but yeah, looking forward to that. Michigan State looks good. Uh, I think they're ahead of schedule of where I expected them to be. So I think this is what I what many are calling a measuring stick game for Michigan State coming up uh, on Saturday. Should be a fun one. But I'll, I'll swing over to Michigan. I, I, that was an impressive win by the Wolverines. Uh, running the ball, they look really good. Corum and Haskins. Um, but here's my thing. I'll, t- I'll start on defense, I guess. I, up front, I think they're really sound. I mean, Hutchinson's really good. They have, they have, I mean, four-star and five-star recruits galore on that D-line. Big guys, good athletic guys. There's no no doubt about that. I mean, pretty good linebackers as well. I think their back four is pretty bad, to be honest with you. I mean, Hawkins is, it has experience. Hill has experience, but... Hill is a supposedly a top ten player in his class, and he hasn't done anything to make him even seem like he's a top ten safety in the Big Ten. Um, let alone lead his team to being one of the better defenses in the Big Ten. I think that back four is going to come back to bite him in the butt when they're playing Ohio State and Indiana, uh, Wisconsin, maybe not Wisconsin, but teams that are fundamentally sound uh, and have athletes. I think that's going to cause them a big issue, um, and. I, probably lead them to lose a few games. Uh, maybe they shouldn't, like a team like Rutgers. But uh, on offense, uh, you have a major issue at quarterback. Uh, 44 yards passing, I mean, you granted you had 300 whatever, 40 yards rushing, but 44 yards passing, That's when you have to play a team that takes away the run, what are you going to do? I mean, I know Ronnie Bell was your star receiver, but you have other four- and five-star guys that, are supposedly amazing that you never hear about. Why aren't you throwing to them? I don't. I, if you, if they're so good, why don't you try to get the ball to them in creative ways, Gaddis and Jim? I don't. I don't know. Your quarterback's obviously an issue. You don't trust him to throw the ball if you're running the ball this much. And Harbaugh's like, well, he's like, some just like to go through there, and we like to run. Well, what happens when teams stuff you on the run? That's that's my biggest thing. I mean, I think that. Obviously, Western Michigan's had a great opponent, so running ball against them is not as impressive as doing against Washington. But I don't know if Washington's defense is as stout as it has been in the past. So I guess we'll see moving forward. I mean, 2-0 now, Northern Illinois should be a win. Then Rutgers the next week could be a little tougher game for them. But yeah, Rutgers off to a good 2-0 win. start. I, mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, we can talk about Rutgers either. I mean, they handled business. They beat Syracuse, but low scoring. On the road, um, so good yeah, road Yeah, they're 2-0. Win. I mean... We had them pegged for 2-0, but, but yeah. still, 
you know, they're doing what they should do. They put up 61 in week one, then they went and played some great defense last week. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Shiano's a great coach. Yeah, uh, Tennessee's probably going to wish they had him sitting where they are again in the same same old yeah, shape I that they always are. Three years, so. Yeah, yeah. I think that's all I have on the Big Ten. Um, but if, if yeah, I don't. I mean, it'll be. We'll get into picks this week. I mean, we start to. Get, there's quite a few good games in the Big Ten this week, Absolutely. non-conference games and such. Um, you know, we we brushed on a couple. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, some of them are already battle tested, uh, like Penn State already battle tested with that road game against Wisconsin. So they got Auburn coming, coming to town. Michigan State goes to Miami. Um, you know, there's yeah, Indiana, Cincinnati. There's there's some there's some nice games on tap this weekend um, that we will get to. So um, I guess one last thought, Ryan. I mean, it maybe it's a little. I don't know if you've run through the whole Big Ten. There's probably lots of options for Player of the Week. I. I'm going to go a little homerish. I'm going to go with Jalen, Jaden Reed. Um, I was going to say Jalen Naylor because that was who I picked to to be the stud turnout or breakout last week. But Reed just part of that thorn didn't have to break stride on a 75 and 85 yard touchdown. Um, had you know a couple other great, great catches. Um, he just if you watch him though, why he's my player of the week aside from those gaudy stats on four catches is watch him downfield. He's finishing blocks downfield, and that's why Michigan State's running game is that much better. Yeah. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on a yeah. I, th- I mean, player of the I, I'll, I'll I'll be nice to Michigan. Blake Corum. I mean, I think he had a really nice game. Yeah, he did have a nice oh, game. Two hundred plus all purpose. Stroud. I mean, in four hundred seventy nine yards. Stroud had a great yards. game. Um, who else played really well? Um, Hankins for Iowa, really. I mean, you got to yeah. go defense. I mean, he had I two picks. Wisconsin's running back. I can't remember his name. He had a pretty decent game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was against Eastern Michigan, right. but. but. All right, well, that's it for the Big Ten. We'll keep them in the first down slot week to week here over the next several weeks. Second down, probably keeping the second down spot. And just like last week and going forward, we got to devote second down to the rest of college football. Because, believe it or not, even when Michigan State has a home game, all Ryan and I do um, when we're not any slancing, tailgating, which was awesome, um, and going to the game is we get home and we watch games until all hours of the night. So um, I'll start here. I'm going to go with my team of the week. I got to go Arkansas. Absolute beatdown of an albeit overrated Texas. Texas is Texas is not perennial overrated. Back. Always Again, overrated. They're not back. Made a quarterback switch in the game. Kept that quarterback switch going forward. Couldn't move the ball. It was a it was a decade win for Arkansas. Good to see Arkansas. You know, have that win. Welcome to the SEC, Texas. Texas is only um, one in the Arkansas SEC. took a hundred thousand dollar fine for their fans rushing the field. Yeah, Whatever. So what? Big deal. It goes to a scholarship fund anyway. So yeah. they're my team of the week. Um, you know, another thing I'll throw out there, and then Ryan, see what you got. A couple thoughts. You know, I talked about Auburn going to Happy Valley this week. Game day, I believe, is going to be there. Yeah. Um, you know. It got off to kind of a slow start. We kept watching the score at the Michigan State game. We were like, what? They're barely beating whoever it was that they played, some FCS school, I believe. Um, but they put up a 60 spot. They've scored 60-plus points in back-to-back opening weeks for the first time since, like, the 1920s. I don't know. I haven't seen them. Don't know how that's going to hold up when they go to Penn State. They're certainly not going to score 60 in Happy Valley. But that's that's an interesting one, and I can see why game day picked that one. Um 
I've got a couple yeah. of other notes here, Ryan, but anything else that stood out to you with the rest of college football this week? No, I, I'll piggyback on Arkansas. I think they look really good, better than I, I thought and that a lot of people would have thought. I mean, they're ranked now. Um, if they win this week, which they should, then they have a big tilt with A&M next weekend. should be a fun one. Um, I think that's going to be like the – that probably could be college game day, to be honest with you, if, it's, uh, if they're both 3-0. But Notre Dame, that's a team uh, we, we thought could be really good coming to the season – could cause some fits. Eh, I don't know. I, they don't look great. I mean, Toledo was hanging with them. They're up on them, back and forth, and they apparently they probably should have won. They uh, they had a chance to sit on the ball. They didn't. They scored. The Notre Dame went down and scored to win the game. But I mean, it's not looking great for BK and his boys. Uh, I I just don't know. I mean, they have Purdue this weekend. Was, that's not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. No, they're only a seven and a half point favorite, um, which I wouldn't have thought at the beginning no, of the season. No, not at all. And then then they play Wisconsin at at, uh, at Soldier uh, next weekend. So that should be interesting. Um, and then obviously they play some tough ACC teams, and then USC, who's uh, who I'll lead into, I guess. I mean get embarrassed by Stanford who's not a great team that's not Stanford of six seven years ago with with Kevin Hogan under center and Jabbar Gaffney and all these guys going to the Rose Bowl every other year this is a below average Stanford team that's still trying to figure out who their quarterback is they go into into LA and kick the crap out of them and then Clay Helton obviously gets fired uh, lots of talk about who's gonna be the coach Chris Peterson James Franklin Luke Fickle uh, Franklin Fickle already said no. I'm not. No, I'm not going to talk about that. No. And then I see Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator of, of the Chiefs. That could be an interesting hire. But USC's a dumpster fire. They're the Texas. They're like Texas. They're like Florida, mm-hmm. Michigan um, team at Florida State that have way too high expectations every single year. And when they don't deliver, they they're all pissed. And they just need to learn that right now they're not. A powerhouse. They really are. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can circle the wagons and make something out of yeah. the season, or do they completely fall apart and do players yeah, quit? I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I know, I know a lot of guys are not happy about it from what I heard on the radio this morning, and a lot of former players are happy that he's gone because they were not happy with the trajectory of the program, but not good. Uh, A&M, speaking of not good, uh, Haynes King, their quarterback's out at least – Probably, I mean, he's a crack in his leg, so I don't know how they said four weeks. That's probably more six to ten weeks. Uh, they didn't look great against Colorado, who's not necessarily a great team this year. Um, they won ten to seven and scored late to to go up. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't buy it. I don't buy Jimbo Fisher and his BS. I never have. Um, so I, I'm I'm kind of rooting against A and M to be honest with you. But uh, staying with. I guess I'll flip to their old conference, the Big 12, new member, BYU in 2023 or 2024, uh, coming in, beats Utah for the first time in 12 years in the Holy War. Um, looked good doing it. Utah was supposedly the best team in the South in the Pac-12, and uh, they didn't look great. Uh, I guess that makes UCLA the favorite now in the Pac-12 South, which is kind of crazy to talk about uh, with coming the season with Chip on the bit of a hot seat there, but... Yeah, just a just a, another crazy week in college football. We'd love to see it. I mean, we talked. I talked about it earlier. Florida State loses for the first time. An FCS team, Jacksonville State, basically wins on a hail mary. Um, and Florida State missed like ten tackles and had guys like basically watching way out play of position. Happen. Yeah, um, and the the beauty of that too is that the week before Jacksonville State got goose egged by UAB, who got absolutely. Blasted by Georgia's backup quarterback. 
Um, Stetson had like Stetson, five touchdown yeah. passes. I mean, some like I mean, it was like yeah, it was I don't have the stats in front of me, but I mean, it was yeah, something absurd, sure. like ten yeah. for twelve for three fifty with five touchdowns. I mean, it was crazy and a pretty good UAB team that yeah, beat no, Jacksonville yeah. State thirty-one to nothing. That beat Florida State. So there's your Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation. You know, if you want to kind of project that on things uh, like teams, you know, teams and fan bases like to do. But, um, you know, ACC had a couple of a little bit more bounce backs, you know, except for North Carolina State. I think they had a tough game against Mississippi State, but they lost a couple starter for the season. I thought maybe they were going to be a bit of a sleeper team coming out of week one in the dud that those games were. You know, Miami, App State. App State is a good team, but not a team that should be really legitimately hanging around with Miami if Miami was supposed to be as good as they are. In fact, it dropped Miami, I believe, at least in one poll out of the top 25, even though they did hang on to win that game. Um, you know, there's just, there's, there are certain weeks certainly that have a lot more really good games. There might not have been quite as many marquee games last week as I think there will be more and more coming up, especially as we get into conference play. But uh, how can you not love college football in a way like a weekend like this coming weekend when Michigan State's on the road for a noon game, it's almost better because you don't have that drive time and that tailgate time where you can't watch games and you can take in more. But, like I said, there was nothing like being back in East Lansing, hitting the tailgate, and we're looking forward to a night game for Nebraska. Two in a row. Two night games in a row in East Lansing for the tailgate. No couches burning, however. Not at our tailgate, anyway. All right. Moving to third down. We'll keep it in college football. We're going to go back to Mount Rushmore because, you know, like we, we like to dabble a little bit with Mount Rushmore's, and we, we debated, do we talk strictly NFL here? We'd certainly watch a lot of NFL. I don't know that it was necessarily worth, worthy of a hold down, so we'll have a little bit of fun here. We're going to go with the Mount Rushmore of college football color commentators. So we've done play-by-play at some point in time. Um, but I think it, you know we got to certainly mention some of the the color guys, and there's a lot of them out there for sure. Um, but you know, I, I certainly have a short list of, of my best. Ryan, you want to throw one out there to start? Yeah, with? I'll, I'll start with with Joel Klatt. I, I he's kind of grown on me the last few years. Didn't like him, but now I think he I, I really I really respect him. I think he's got good stuff to say. I think he's a really good football mind for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, enjoy listening to him. He pairs well with Gus Johnson too. Yeah. I think you know Gus. You got to have a certain type of temperament to kind of balance Gus and his excitement. And I think Clatt does a good job of that. He does a good job of breaking down the game. And and honestly, before I get into, I had Joel, Joel on my list too. But every one of my guys is a former quarterback. I just think even in the pros, when you've got yeah. you know like Tony Romo. Although Chris Collinsworth is pretty good, but we got you know Troy Aikman, not as good as Tony Romo, but you know guys that can really kind of break it down for you in a way that you can understand what they're mm-hmm. looking at. Because what I find is super interesting is when you put the camera behind the guys, whether it's the overhead and behind or whatever, and you got to kind of look at it through the progressions they have to make and the time they have to make it and all the calls they have to make. Um, greasy, actually, no, not greasy. Uh, if you didn't watch Monday Night Football last night, we get a little bit off of a tangent, but. ESPN2 had the Manning brothers, Peyton and Eli, and then they had Ray Lewis uh, with them, which was great TV. And they were just really breaking things down from their perspective and all the things that they have to read and, and all that stuff. Um, and actually, yeah, it was Greasy was talking through, I think it was because he had played for Gruden, like what's everything, what is? what are you hearing as a quarterback through Gruden? So that's a long way to answer that. I think quarterbacks make the best yeah. color analysts. I just think they always have 
Brian Greasy's dad, Bob Greasy, was really good uh, back in the day when he was with Keith Jackson predominantly. Uh, another example of an older school one. I think, I guess for my quote, first pick, and an, I, I really like Todd Blackledge. Um, you know, never mind the fact that his one of his sons played basketball just before Ryan at Hope College and was really good. But I just, I think he's like the other ones. He's personable, he's relatable, he kind of does his, you know, food on the town segment that they restarted with ABC ESPN this year. He pairs well with Sean McDonough, who I think is really the A broadcaster. You know, it used to probably be Brent Musburger, but and no offense to Fowler and Reese Davis, who are pretty good, but I think McDonough's the best, and I think Blackledge is really, really good. Um, again, explains it in a way. We get him a lot in Big Ten games, especially in the Midwest, but um, he breaks it down in a way that you can kind of understand it as a fan, and, and I appreciate his take on it. Probably a second guy for me, I mentioned him probably as Herbie. I think he does a really good job on game day, although, you know, I think they better watch out because Fox Big Noon is is you know mimicking them in a lot of ways. I mean, they have a lot of the same setup. They're starting to hit the road and things. Um, you know, and Herbie does a good job pulling double duty there. He just has a great knack of understanding the game. I think he does a good job of deflecting criticism of his own school, Ohio State, and their fans for not always just being a love fest. You know, sometimes you get guys that are just a homer for their school, but I think Herbie's pretty fair. Um, and again, he's pretty easy to take. And I think he and Fowler paired together are, are good too. So who, who do you got next on your list, Ryan? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with another quarterback, Brady Quinn. I think he's really good. Um, obviously didn't work out for him too well in the NFL, but uh, on Fox, he does a really nice job um, when he's done games and enjoys his commentary. Yeah, I would say um, I'm going to go with, you know, one – he does a little bit more studio, I think, than he's doing games. He's, he does some games, and he's not really in their A rotation, but I really like Dan Orlovsky. Yeah, he's good. Um, I think he's really good. You know, uh, He played at UConn, right? UConn played with the Lions. Um, I think that he's a really good one. Again, another quarterback. Um, and to round it out for me, it's really kind of a toss-up. I think Gary Danielson's a little past his prime, although paired with Nessler, I think he's pretty good on CBS. Um, he's, he's not quite as sharp as I think he used to be. Um, but I really do kind of, I go back and forth. I kind of like Greg McElroy and Brock Heward. Both have grown on me a little bit and they're both kind of like clat where they break it down for you in a way that you can understand. Um, they make it relatable and they've both added a little bit more personality to their, to their calls as well. So you got anybody else on? No, those are all the ones I had. Yeah, those are all really good. I mean, there's a lot of them out there. I'm sure we probably missed one if we did. You can mention them to us, but common theme here is quarterbacks make the best color commentators for sure. All right, heading to fourth down. As we did last week, we're going to do our weekly pick them here. Um, Ryan's going to give us a little bit of feel for how we did. It's still a three-horse race, so anybody can jump in. Please do. It doesn't take you very long to figure it out. You'll get a little something-something if you outpick us at the end of the day, so it may as well. you got nothing to lose. Yeah, so after week two, uh, I am 28-6 and six overall. Andy is 27-5. And, and then JG, let's see where you're at. Uh, 3, 10, what's that, 13, 25, and however many. Uh, 25 and 9 through, through week two. Um, and we're going to jump into week three here. Uh, lots of really big games, uh, particularly in the Big Ten. I saw some, it's like the first time... The Big Ten has five or more 
games against ranked opponents since 1975. Uh, wow. Crazy stuff. Uh, but we'll start with uh, the Big Ten um, matchup on Friday night, Maryland versus Illinois. Um, Maryland's playing good football right now. Uh, and Illinois is not. Uh, the Terps are going to get the win here. <laughs> Illinois uh, predictably looked atrocious against UVA. Captains in the background, as he always does week to week on the podcast, agrees. I gotta, I gotta agree. I think Maryland gets this when it is at Illinois. It, although, it would not surprise me to see Illinois pull those out like they did against Nebraska. Yeah, I just don't think. I think uh, Maryland's going to score a lot of points, and I believe that's a Friday night game. Yep, right? this Friday night, yeah. FS1, I believe, nine p.m. kick, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But we'll do the noon kick down in. Coral Gables, Miami, wherever you want to call it. I don't know where the hell they play. Miami Gardens. Uh, MSU versus the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, a month ago, before the season, I would have said Miami all the way. I'm going with the Spartans here. I think Michigan State's playing better. Um, Derek King does not look healthy to me. Um, and they lost their running back for the year. Uh, Michigan State just, I think, they can beat them on the ground. Their defense is kind of a little bit suspect. Spartans. Yeah, Michigan State has made huge strides on offense. I mean, from like the lower 10 to the upper 10. Um, and they're doing it on the ground and through the air. I think, you know, Miami's defense is going to be better than Northwestern's or Youngstown State's for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, Michigan State was missing a few guys last week, presumably maybe COVID protocol because it was three. Rumor has it that Beasley and Jordan are probably going to be back, but not Brown. So I don't know if it was COVID. Yeah, I don't know. Three defensive ends there between those three guys and a couple of other no dress. You know, Russo was in a boot after he fumbled on the option snap when he finally got some time and blew a wide open touchdown, basically. Um, you know, Collins, who looked good last week, he's he's questionable. he's questionable, although Michigan State's got plenty of depth there. I don't know. It's going to be hot and humid. I want to say Michigan State's going to win this game. Of course, the fan of me thinks that they will win this game. I certainly think they can win this game. Ah, screw it. We'll go with it. I'm going to say Michigan State as well. Good choice. Uh, I a game that may be a public execution, you can call it. Uh, Nebraska goes to Norman. Or, yeah, Norman they wear those Norman. little red jerseys. They They're wearing those crap jerseys. Oh, they will be the laughing of college football. Just torn apart. And and then that means they're going to limp into East Lansing next weekend for a night game. That's what we like to hear. Unless they're like, unless they're angry, I don't know. I mean, the I one know. thing that scares they, me looking ahead is Martinez and Michigan yeah, State with running quarterbacks. Right. But we'll, we'll get to that. That's next, next week. week. Uh, Oklahoma's going to win this game like fifty-five to ten or something. You know, I would say Oklahoma would win big. I do think Nebraska's going to get up for this. And look, Tulane came in to Norman and gave them fits. I don't know if Nebraska's even as good as Tulane, but I think it'll be probably closer than we expect, unless they're wearing those stupid jerseys. And they all look like an inflatable mascot. I think Oklahoma wins. I don't think I don't know what the I don't remember what the spread is yeah, on this one. It's probably north of twenty. I don't know that they win by four or five touchdowns, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them win by you know cover that spread if it's twenty or so. Uh, another big game at noon. Um, and disclaimer: uh, the first three ga- or the last three games I've said all at noon. Uh, so Cincinnati versus Indiana could be a good one. Uh, I believe it's in Bloomington. Uh, Cincinnati's a top ten team. Indiana is one and one. They have potential to be really good. This is a close one for me. I think Cincinnati squeaks it out, probably like a twenty four twenty one type game. Um, 
Yeah, I think this will be a good test for Cincinnati um, just to play against a really good – they were kind of a slow start last week, and then they romped. Um, I you know, I just still – Penix, much like Deer King, I just don't know how they come back from an ACL in eight, nine months and play a quarterback as dy- – you know, are dynamic at quarterback like they are apt to be. I think Indiana will be fired up for this. I think they'll be geared up for it, but I just don't see them getting this win. Um, I've got Cincinnati winning this game for sure. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, Northern Illinois, Rocky Lombardi comes into the big house. He's going to have some swag. He's probably just going to throw 10 interceptions. Chuck him deep. Uh, Michigan's going to win this one pretty handily, I think, but Rocky might have a big game. Who knows? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he did last year when there were zero expectations. I would be shocked if Northern Illinois wins. But Michigan could be, you know, riding a little bit too high from that Washington game. I don't know. I think I saw the spreads like 26.5 in that game. I don't know that they're going to cover that. Um, I could see them winning by 20 points, though, pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, one o'clock kick, I believe, uh, out, out west, uh, Minnesota, Colorado. Uh, the Buffs and the Gophs. Uh, Colorado's decent defensively, but they can't score. Mm-hmm. I think Minnesota a, has a pretty potent offense. I think they can score. I mean, even without Mo Ibrahim, I think I think they'll get this one done. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see because Colorado certainly could have won last week, but they did not. I mean, Texas A&M has a pretty good defense, but they could only score seven points. I think this is going to come down to the wire. I think Minnesota wins it probably on a late field goal. I mean, they barely handled Miami of Ohio, a little hangover from that Ohio State game, but I, I do think they'll get the dub at Colorado. Yep. A uh, little in-state rivalry here, Purdue versus the Fighting Irish. Um, NBC game, Purdue is playing okay football. Notre Dame's had a couple scares. I think this is going to be another really close one and low scoring, like, I'm I'm gonna say Notre Dame's gonna win this, but like sixteen thirteen, they're Purdue's covering this thing. I think. You know, I, I this is where I'm gonna. You gotta sometimes break out, and that's why we had a, a win loss difference last week. Ryan was fourteen and one. I was thirteen and two because you know I took Iowa State a little bit on a limb. This is a little bit more of an upset special. You know, Purdue waxed UConn, shut them out forty nine nothing. UConn's dog meat, but. They beat a you know Pac-12 school, Oregon State, in the first game. I think Purdue can score the football for sure. If Toledo can put up whatever it was, 26, 29 points last night, last week, Purdue certainly can. I think uh, you know neither team has a great defense. Maybe Notre Dame's defense is a little bit better. Um, Purdue's got some weapons at wide receiver. I'm going I'm to go with the upset here. I'm going with Purdue over Notre Dame. I like the boldness there. Uh the golden flashes of Kent State go to Iowa. Hawkeyes all the way. Uh, shouldn't even be a contest. Might be a chance for them to kind of ramp up their their, Get their offense a little going. bit. You know, will they be a little hungover after winning the Cyhawk? Maybe. So Kent State might hang around a little bit, but no Mac Love in that game. No way. Iowa all the way. No. Uh, Tulsa versus Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to be pissed. I, I got was, them covering. They're a twenty-six and a half. I, I think they're going to roll. I, I mean, Tulsa's not a terrible football team, but. I just don't see any scenario where Ohio State lays an egg this week. I think they're going to be really pissed off and right. days in their attention. Completely agree. Yeah, uh, the Blue Hens of Delaware. Shout out Tyler Cooper. Uh, That's right. He's listening. Uh, Delaware. Several of those helmets. Yeah. Uh, they're playing Rutgers, uh, the Scarlet Knights, a little neighbor state rivalry there. Uh, Rutgers is going to win this one. Even Delaware has been a decent FCS program here in the last 
however many years, but uh, Rutgers. Yeah, I think Rutgers wins this game too. They may put up quite a few points in the process as yeah, well. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, we got a battle of the Smarties here. Uh, Northwestern versus the Blue Devils. Duke's got a really nice offense uh, running the ball, but other than that, they're pretty bad. Uh, Northwestern's going to win this one in a like 10 to 3 game or something. Yeah, Northwestern was really kind of a uh, yawner last week against the Sycamores, the Fighting Larry Birds of Indiana State. Um, you know, we gave Northwestern this win in the overall preseason preview. You know, Duke lost to Charlotte in game 1 and they bounced back and beat I don't even know, North Carolina Central or something like Someone like not great. somebody like that last week. I think uh Northwestern goes on the road. This is a seems to be a perennial matchup between the two schools, but I've got Northwestern beating Duke. Yep. Uh, and then for our final Big Ten game, they'll have one, a couple more after that, but primetime ABC college game day. I, I think it's the whiteout. I really want to say it's the whiteout. I think the whiteout's uh, going to be the Michigan uh, game, well, I thought. It's a night game in, in Happy Valley. Penn State versus Auburn. Two. Um yeah, it could be a good one. I don't. I'm not necessarily a big believer in Auburn. I think they're a bit of fraudulent, to be honest with you. I think Bo Nix is probably the most overrated Bo quarterback Nix. in the NCAA. I'm going with the Nittany Lions here to get it done. Yeah, we picked Penn State to begin with, and uh, you know I already picked my one upset, so it wouldn't surprise me to see Auburn win. But I, in this case, I'm not a Penn State fan. But this is one of those times when I really want to see us punch the SEC in the nose. You know, if this was Michigan-Auburn, I would say complete opposite, and I would be rooting for Auburn. But even though I really don't like Penn State that much, I think it would bode really well for the Big Ten to get a little bit of cred back after losing to the Pac-12 last week if if Penn State wins this game, and I do think that they will get it done. Uh, moving outside of the Big Ten, uh, the biggest game outside of the Big Ten, uh, Bama versus Florida. They go to Gainesville. Uh, Florida has not beaten them since the 2008 SEC title game, and that's going to continue. They've got a quarterback uh, to win this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see. Bama got up to a slow start last week against. I think it was against McNeese State or something. I think Florida might hang in there with them for a half, but I think Bama, Bama rolls. Yeah, they're gonna win, and then we'll go NFL. Start doing the Lions. Lions Packers Monday Night Football at Lambeau. Last time that happened, I I did some things. Uh, Connor Evenhouse has a video, but I think I still have the video. Crazy, funny stuff. The Lions got screwed. That's not gonna happen this time because the Lions are gonna get. Absolutely beaten down because Aaron Rodgers is going to be pissed that he had a terrible game and the Lions depleted secondary will surrender about 800,000 yards to the Packers in probably like a 45-10 to 10 loss. You know, the Lions have played well, actually, historically at Green Bay. They just don't win there um, so much. But I, I think, you know, they'll be up for this, no doubt. I definitely will get into it here in a minute in the two-minute drill. I, I like some of the things that I saw. I really like the fact that they have eight former players as coaches. I think they relate well with the guys. I think they'll have them fired up. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Rodgers probably just shreds the Lions secondary, which is already suspect, and then they lost Okuda to a torn Achilles. Um, and even though Ryan and I don't necessarily like him or the pick that we wasted on him, he was arguably their best cover corner, and minus the one you know, awful blown coverage against Samuel on a long touchdown against San Francisco, he made some other big plays. Yeah. And I think Rodgers are going to find that, and they're, he's going to smell blood in the water, and he's going to he's going to smoke them for that. So yeah, really is that it for our pick them. That's it. All right, we'll go quick two minute drill just because you know give the Lions a little bit more talk. Um, you know, 
my thoughts, I kind of joked that I didn't fall asleep and take a nap. Certainly could have there for a while when it was 38 to 10. You know, they showed me something at the end. They had a little bit of fight. Uh, the Rams definitely got the better end of the quarterback deal for sure. Stafford has best rating ever. Goff is just so conservative and indecisive and whatever. I don't know. What do, what do the Lions do? Obviously, they're not going to get rid of him now. Who's going to want to trade for him unless they get somebody that needs a veteran quarterback? There's not much out there in the draft coming in this year. Yeah. There's not much out there in free agency. That's where, like last year when they took an Okuda, they could have taken like a Herbert, Herbert or somebody Tula. like that. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, the should have, could have, would have game. I do. I liked how the Lions ran the ball. I thought the Lions ran the ball really well. Their best receiver, arguably, is out in concussion protocol. They only threw the receivers a handful of times. Cephas made some good plays late. Hawkinson was as Hawkinson advertised. Star, yeah. Sewell, I thought, more than held his own. He got some great feedback from Bosa. Um, you know, he, one time he really didn't get his base under him, and Bosa just bull rushed him in, into a sack. But generally, you know, speaking, he was at his natural position at left tackle, and you know, you know that they're not going to move Decker to right tackle. But that might be the the best Lions line, and it might expedite. You know, I don't know if Decker is due to be a free agent soon or to trade no, him or they something. Just but long term, but he could be somebody that's destined to you know be a little bit of a trade bait to get something in in for him because Sewell definitely has a future at, at left tackle. So I saw a few good things um, in general in, in NFL in general, and then I'll turn it over to you, Ryan. I, you know, great game last night with the Ravens and the Raiders. Um, SoFi on you know watching the Rams and the Bears is there a stadium that's more incredible than that? I mean that's unbelievable. So so many good games. Even you know Dallas Tampa last week to start was way better than we thought it was going to be. You know the Chiefs Browns was super competitive. You know there were a lot of Pittsburgh went on the road and beat the Bills. The Bengals you know the Vikings bungled it and no it wasn't Cousins so lay off of him. He had a really good game and. Dalvin Cook fumbled when they were in field goal range to win it in overtime, or at the end of regulation, one or the other. I think it was in overtime because it was a second possession. They could have won it, and he fumbled, and Cincinnati went down and scored. AFC South or North went 3-1. and one. AFC West, I think, went 4-0. and oh. NFC West went 4-0. and oh. NFC North. The Atlanta Falcons more. might suck more than the Lions. Um, yeah, it, it, it'll be kind of fun, you know, like, it's, I probably was more into it than not just like a passing watching, but there were some actually some intriguing games, and I hope it stays that way because, uh, you know, that that always adds to, completes the weekend when you got something uh, good to watch on Sunday and Monday night as well. So any yeah, thoughts? I, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about the Lions for a second. I mean, I think uh, that they showed some fight there at the end. I was really happy with that. I mean, Goff, he, he's not, he is what he is. I mean, I, th- I think we have to accept that as Lions fans. He's not anything special. He's a... He's a play-action passer. He's not a downfield passer. He's a dink-and-dunk kind of guy. Uh, I think I think T.J. Hawkinson is a budding star in this league. He's a really nice piece. I think St. Brown's a really nice piece to build around. Sewell, obviously, is a great piece to build around. Pretty young offensive line. I mean, Taylor Decker is the oldest player on this team on the offense. I mean, that's really cool to hear. Um, but, yeah, defensively, what my friends and I call the wet napkin of the Detroit Lions defense lives on. Um, I think Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn absolutely ruined this franchise even more so than you could ever imagine. Um, and it's going to take some building. we got to give Dan Campbell some time. I think he's got a lot of energy. He's going to do the right things. Brad Holmes is going to do the right things. he got a really good staff. Young team. He's going to get them right. 
Uh, I think not next year, but the year after is when the Lions will start to be competitive for 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 the playoffs again. Um, it's going to take some building and patience, but I think it can happen. I really do. Yeah, and it was good that they didn't roll, you know, didn't roll over because they rolled over and died in Sam yeah. Sam Darnold's opener when he threw a pick six in his very first NFL pass, and then the Jets absolutely just smoked the Lions. And their players said after the game that we knew that Detroit quit as soon as we started to punch them in the mouth. That certainly didn't happen. I mean, the odds anymore of getting an onside kick in the NFL especially are like, I mean, .0001%, and they got the perfect short hop, which San Francisco played well the second time because they they jumped on it before it could hit the short hop. But, you know, it gave us a little bit of a raised, elevated heart rate and a little bit of something to cheer for. Let's hope that they don't kind of leave all that in the tank for just the last three minutes of every game. I think they'll surprise us with a win or two here or there. They'll they'll frustrate us plenty along the way, but um, at least gives us a little glimmer of hope even after yeah. uh, week one, I would say. So, all right, that out of the way. Let's And next week, um, by the way, we'll work in Ryder Cup because we've got golf Big time. Um, coming up. Pumped for that. You know, to, to talk about some more, we'll certainly talk college football, NFL, um, maybe as we get a little closer to the baseball playoffs, we'll have to do a little research and we can talk about baseball playoffs too. But that said, for now, let's end as we always do with a sprint. Ryan has not even heard these questions first, so he hasn't even had a chance to prepare. First line, will Ohio State win out? Oh, that's tough. I'm going to go yes. I think they're going to be a desperate football team. I, I, but I don't know if they'll make the playoff. I don't know. Um, midcourt, buying or selling end-of-game Lions as the real Lions? I'm not gonna buy the end of the game. I'll say I'll say sell, but I, I think there's something in between that. I don't think that they're the worst team in the league, but I don't think that they're. I think they played very desperately, which they, I think they should do no matter what. Um, but I, I just don't think they're as good. As, I mean, because San Francisco is in a, sh- a shell of themselves at the end of the game. True. Uh, Three quarter court and back next. Overhyped college football team to fall. Team I hate, Texas A&M. They're going down soon. And. Last, Scooby-Doo or Tom and Jerry? Oh, without a doubt, Scooby-Doo. Love Tom and Jerry also, but Scooby-Doo, I mean, it's my header on Twitter. Come on. (laughs) All right. Will Ohio State win out? I think they will. I agree with Ryan. I'm not sure that that's going to be good enough to make the playoff. Um, It just depends on probably a little bit of the style points and does their defense get better. Buying or selling end of game lions, I agree with Ryan. Somewhere in between, I'm going to sell the end of game lions as the real lions because uh, clearly Goff is what Goff is, and yeah, that's pretty average. Um, next overhyped college football team to fall, I kind of have to agree. Texas A&M. I mean, they were super close to it last week. I don't know that it'll happen this week. Captain's weighing in, but I could also see Oklahoma who usually finds a way to lose at some point in time, maybe even in the Red River shootout. And for me, Scooby-Doo or Tom and Jerry, you got to go with Scooby-Doo. I mean, come on, Tom and Jerry's classic for sure, but Scooby's the best. All right, Ryan, hit us up with some final social media reminders. Yep, uh, follow us on Twitter at the score 35 Please send us your picks. We want more people involved. Um, it's it's pretty easy. Just every Big Ten game this week, and then Bama, and then the the Lions game. It's pretty easy. Get involved. Get involved. You're we'll gonna win something. something maybe yep. we'll get you a little total wine and more gift card, New Holland gift card, Meyer. I don't know. We'll, yep. we'll, we're trying we'll to. Out. I'm, we're we're going to work on some sponsors here. Then, Fanatics, uh, forty seven. You know, somebody, forty seven. By the way, if you want the best 
form-fitting mesh baseball cap, 47. Look it up. Find it. Got college teams. I got a gruff, sparty one. Most comfortable hat I've ever worn at the game last week. All right. That's it for this week. Get on Twitter. Get your picks in play. Holler at us with topic ideas. We know you're out there, so engage with us. And again, if anyone is interested in joining the sponsor roster, or if you got a job or a, a lead for Ryan, shoot Ryan a note. He's the guy. Thank you again to Team Anders Realtors, our presenting sponsor. Learn more about how Team Anders can help you with your realty needs at teamanders.com. Meantime, the question is, would you do it for a Scooby snack? Ha, 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 ha.